I'd like to acknowledge the traditional caretakers and inhabitants of this land across Australia. Also locally where I stand, the Beerpai people, who continue their cultural practices, wisdom and law. Hi and welcome to the Pollination Mamas podcast, where we have collaborative conversations, cross-pollinate and connect, as we span our wings across topics such as feminine wisdom, womb wisdom, herbal plant medicine, natural fertility awareness, postpartum care, sacred sisterhood, sacred motherhood, women's circles and deep connectedness. If you're here, I believe you too are on a journey to reclaim and revitalise ancient feminine wisdom in a modern context. Not only for ourselves now, but for future generations to come. Thank you so much for being here. Hi everyone, welcome to another Pollination Mamas podcast. Today I've got a really fun and exciting guest here today, Avalon Darnesh from Blossoming Woman. So Avalon works with visionary women, assisting them to reclaim their wisdom, beauty and power, to weave the threads of life together, clarify purpose and share magical gifts with the world. A midwife of transformation, holding sacred space to connect with your soul's essence, call in divine guidance and trust what arises from a place of deep presence. The dark, the light, stories, secrets, fears, hopes, dreams, visions, a journey home to you. Avalon is here to remind us all that our magic and wisdom is needed now. I just love reading out the words that I pull together from people's bios and other things they've written because it just is always so powerful. Whenever I read it, I kind of get tingles and I just feel really inspired, empowered, and I definitely do from reading that. I also imagine I could find Avalon dancing around wildly in red and magenta while simultaneously like doing the dishes and running her business and um, a thousand other amazing magic things. <laughs> I really get that feeling of um, embracing lots of aspects and a really balanced, holistic, but also full aspect of life. Um, I also feel, Avalon, that you're a cross-pollinator, which I really resonate with, that you're weaving in lots of, lots of aspects to yourself. So thanks so much for being here today. Oh, such a pleasure. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me in. <laughs> no worries. So you're also a mother, lover, entrepreneur, feminine visionary, empowerment coach, and much more. And when, um, I think it was a few weeks ago, I first asked you what your current focus and flow was, and that may have changed a little bit because things do. <laughs> but at the time you said to work with women to reclaim our power and connection with the earth and rising into leadership in co-creating a new culture based on ancient wisdom while weaving in knowledge and technology we have now so we can truly evolve into a sustainable, thriving culture. And more and more, I really do see those links of people wanting to revitalise ancient wisdom within a modern context. And I can relate to that with my postpartum care revitalization. So looking to that, um, the ancient wisdom and seeing how we can utilise that now, but also how that contributes to a sustainable, thriving culture, as you said, felt like for a long time, the wellness industry was there, spirituality, 
movement was here, environmental, and over like the last few decades have just sort of been moving closer and becoming more integrated and woven together, which I really love. So I'd love for you just to share a little bit about your journey, how you've come to this point of who you are, um, and how you've allowed that unfolding within yourself of that mundane, everyday world with the magical that you seem to bring to life so beautifully. Oh, thank you. Yes. Well, a little bit about my journey. I grew up in Adelaide in Australia in a very normal house with very normal parents. And they're a bit like if you've seen the movie The Castle, they're very normal, everyday people, which is really kind of, I think I, I kind of rebelled against that a little bit when I eventually moved out into the world on my own. I, I just felt like my childhood was very it felt quite dis disconnected, quite detached. I didn't, um, I personally could experience magic inside my own little bubble of reality, but I didn't feel like I was connected with anyone outside of that. Like my parents were kind of doing their own thing. And so eventually when I, when I got to about the age of 11, I was brought up Catholic and then I just was sent to this very strict religious school and then I just rebelled completely from that because I just was completely Bible bashed. Like, this is what you have to do. And if you don't su submit to Jesus, you're going to hell and all this stuff. And I'm like, wow, this was just over the top. And so from that point on, I started to find who I was. And that was pretty young. Like that was from the age of 11. And so through my teen years, I did a lot of exploring. I was um, pretty much free agent on my own, quite hedonistic, quite exploratory, sex, drugs, you name it, like really going down every rabbit hole I could find. And so then that kind of continued right into my 20s. And then mid-20s, I left and I went traveling around the world. I landed in Canada and then traveled through Mexico and we were decorating Psytrance parties because that's what I was into at the time. And I met one of the guys who was like the super cool DJ and um, we were traveling together and we ended up, I ended up getting pregnant with him and then having had this big vision, literally I was on a beach and had this vision that I was going to be raising children in a way that was going to change the culture of the planet. Like, and I didn't know anything about this because I had raising children was really so far from my reality. Um, except when I was about, 17 or 18, I went to a psychic and the woman said, when you have your first baby, your whole life's going to make sense. Your life mission and everything's going to make sense. And I was like, all right. I didn't even really, I wasn't thinking that far ahead, you know? So I came back to Australia pregnant. It sort of quickly, the relationship with that guy deteriorated really badly. He ended up coming back to Australia to live with me and I was pregnant and um, to cut a long story short, it just was a super toxic relationship. It was really critical, blaming me for getting pregnant and, and didn't want to take responsibility for, you know, becoming an adult and being a functional person to look after a baby and stuff. So it, it took me to about a year and a half after giving birth to my baby, like giving birth was a big awakening. Like I really did experience my whole heart cracking open, my whole, my whole world just expanded so radically suddenly I could feel really deeply in a way that I never could before like a lot of 
I felt like I was free before that, but a lot of it was just this kind of almost like escapism, right? But then having the baby was such a deeply embodied experience that was a whole new level of of presence mm. and awe of life that happened through that birth. And that was a fully natural birth. I was in hospital. I did give birth in hospital for my first baby because, as I mentioned, I came home pregnant from Canada, um, Mexico actually, travelling between the two and just didn't really look into my options. So I just thought, oh, I'm pregnant. I'll just go to the doctor, tell the doctor I'm pregnant and give birth because I hadn't really explored that much. So uh, nearly like not far into that journey of the visiting the doctors, I'm like, why am I doing this? I'm fine. I don't need to go to doctors. And I did end up continuing with the birth in hospital and it was a bit interrupted and it was a bit annoying having, you know, they're asking me all these questions. Are you going to vaccinate? Are you going to do this? I'm like, don't ask me anything. Just leave me alone so I can birth my baby. That was at 42 weeks pregnant because at 41 weeks, they were trying to pressure me to induce. And I was like, no, thanks. I'm going to let my baby come when she's ready, when it's ready. I didn't, you know, I didn't know girl or boy, but it was a girl. And so I felt really strong inside myself, even though I hadn't done any research really about the birthing industry. I kind of just had this innate rebellion against the system kind of thing. So I had this beautiful baby, had this terrible kind of parallel reality going on with her dad, which was going down the toilet. But then eventually I got the courage to leave him, but that was after a little while. And that relationship with him was really quite destructive for my sense of self. Very, he was very toxic, very abusive. And so I left that and I was just baffled at how I'd got into this position. And so I really wanted to unravel that and understand that. And so I, I um, studied, I wanted to understand human humans better. I wanted to understand how do we tick? What is this? What is this stuff? Like, relationships and dynamics and I just had this real fascination to explore that so I I studied counseling at first and then I studied holistic psychology which was just mind-blowing it was so so expansive and exactly what I was looking for like the whole mind body spirit connection and understanding the dynamics of power in relationships and a whole lot of stuff that I learned and really just devoured it at the time did a lot of healing modalities breath work um, I did past life regression, healing and um, yeah, like rebirthing. And I was kind of on this real mission to just soak it all up and learn everything I could. And then sort of got back together with that same guy. <laughs> These things happen, right? Like my little one was about a year. I don't even know. Like she was probably, she would have been about just over two and he was starting to be nice to me again. You know, we're obviously seeing each other because we had a little baby a child together. And I don't know, you know, you look back and go, what was I thinking? But anyway, partly it was like, there's another baby coming in. It was just all these, the, the stars were aligning. And anyway, I got back with him very briefly, conceived a baby consciously in that time. And as soon as I was pregnant, he started deteriorating again. So I left him. So I was pregnant with a toddler a a two-year-old and and pregnant. And I decided that I wanted to leave Adelaide and move and have a different life for my kids. Um, I 
I'd gone through a lot of healing and growth within myself. And at the time I felt quite isolated in the way I was parenting and in how I was doing life. And I just wanted to be with more people who felt like a bit more of a tribe. So I, I decided to move to the East coast of Australia and, and ended up when that little baby was born, I had an ecstatic home birth with her, which was next level full psychedelic. I was seeing like this big spiral of energy, this vortex coming from the, like from the sky kind of thing coming through my body and then roaring that into the earth. It was really visual, the, the power of that energy of birth in that second birth. Beautiful birth, lotus birth, fully, you know, in my own zone with that, which, which I decided to after having the birth in hospital where people were trying to like ask me questions and distract me. It was like, I don't want to do that again. So I had this beautiful birth. And when that baby was six months old, I packed up my two girls and traveled to, you know, 20 hours to a place where I'd never even been to. <laughs> but a friend said, you'll love this place. So I moved to Bellingen. Um, started life fresh and I was also really desperately seeking a partner. Like by this point, I kind of, once I landed, I really wanted love again in my life. And so that was my next obsession. So I was learning everything about love and connection and relationships and doing courses and reading books and got to the point where it was just so consuming that I just needed to stop, stop obsessing about love and so under this full moon one night I did this ritual with with I think I must have had candles like outside and everything and I just was bawling my eyes out and I devoted my life to the goddess I said look that was that was my way of just handing it over I'm here to be in service if it's just me and my two beautiful daughters till the end of my days then that's my path and so be it right I just hand it over I'm not obsessing about a partner I'm just here to be in service to the goddess. And really soon after that, a friend came up to me and said, hey, I think you would love this. And it was the School of Shamanic Midwifery. And I was like, yes, because that's all about rites of passage and really going deep into the women's mysteries. And so I jumped into that journey and I journeyed through the School of Shamanic Midwifery, which is now called the School of Shamanic Womancraft because of bureaucracy and registration and blah, blah, blah. But it's an incredible journey of transformation. And so I learned through that how to facilitate that for others as well. That's really kind of where my journey was heading. And so I did a vision quest, asked for a vision for my life, and that's Blossoming Woman came to me. I wasn't even, I didn't even know what I was asking for, but I just had this journal and I was out there on my own with nothing, just a journal so I could write because I love writing and I, and I want to be able to write things down so I wouldn't need to remember it all right. So I did take a journal with me out into the bush. Um, Blossomy Woman came through and it was about transitioning from the old paradigm of, of fear and limitation and scarcity into a new paradigm of love, connection, wholeness and partnership, right? So that was like really what's brought me to this point. <laughs> beautiful <laughs> oh thank you yeah I love hearing where people have been and how they've got to where they are because it's always so unique and so fascinating but so important to paint a picture of the humanity of all of us like we've all walked a different path with its own challenges and come from our own unique backgrounds so thank you so much for sharing that 
that's okay. Like there's just a little, I mean, that was really what got this yes. blossoming woman journey started. And that yeah. was actually eight years ago. So obviously a lot's happened since then, but just <laughs> to sort of fast track it to now, then I met Brett while I was in the middle of not thinking about it, doing my sacred women's work. This beautiful man, Brett showed up. He was a single dad too with two young children. So we got together like a Brady bunch <laughs> and then I got pregnant within three months and then we, and, and that, I just knew that was going to happen. Like as soon as we met, it was just like, zoom, this little baby's like, all right. It was almost like it's all coordinated, you know, from above. And then we free birthed out in the place we were living, which was out in the sort of bush out. I mean, we had this house out in the bush outside Bellingen, had an incredible orgasmic birth, which was so next level, like a full activation, energetic thing, like I can't even explain how profound it was to be in that space with my man and no interruptions, no, nothing, just him and I in this amazing space of love. And then um, that birth story went viral and I got a bit slammed actually out in the media, like people just like not believing me that it was even true and saying that I was lying and saying like all this stuff about... Um, all the things that people say about women, that women shouldn't be, you shouldn't be powerful. You shouldn't have pleasure. You, you know, you shouldn't be free. It was like the people that were really judging that. And it was really kind of huge. And I just had to stop listening to any of that. And so develop that inner resilience to know that what I was doing was beautiful and powerful and amazing. And doesn't matter what anyone else thinks, because I'm here to speak to the people who are actually listening, not the ones who want to judge. Right. And then so my business then evolved. I was doing birth work in the beginning. And then like before that, I used to do costume design. Um, and that was kind of evolving into the baby wear when my little babies were born. And then, so that's kind of transitioned into the parenting, like going from mother birthing to being supporting empowered motherhood and relationships and sexuality with my man. He's a tantric body worker. And then now it's like kind of next level going to visionary leadership, you know, as a woman, as a mother, whether that's in your own heart and body or in your family with your kids or out in the world in community or in business. So, you know, we are here to shift the culture. Mm. So that's kind of, that's kind of brings us up to now. That's where I am now. That's the history. (laughs) Yeah. In the short, I'm sure. <laughs> Very, yeah, yeah, for sure. I think it's really important when you talk about leadership and being a visionary leadership is that work can be done in the home. It can be done with your family. Um, it can be done in so many ways in your community as well as in business. So it can be done on lots of different levels and they're all really important because it comes back to, it sounds like what it comes back to is that that sense of empowerment and that sense of fulfillment internally first. You can't really help anyone or shift anything in the culture. And it's cliche until you've done that in yourself, but it's so true. And mm. sometimes that can feel really challenging while you're navigating motherhood, while you're navigating like relationships and that sort of thing. But it is totally accessible as well. I feel like you bring totally. this wild. Yeah, actually. That. Yeah, see, the culture starts at home. Yeah. What happens at home and and how we are in ourselves and and the way we communicate with people, even people just at the local markets or the local shop, Mm -hmm. every interaction that you have is building the culture, right? 
Mm. So it's that, and that, that's so empowering to really get that, that every minute that you're alive, you have a, the option of choosing, you know, am I emitting a frequency of love and expansion or am I contracting back into a, an old pattern that's actually really not serving me? Mm. That's really the choice. Yeah, it's so true. We are a part of the human ecology and we're all connected. And what are we doing with those connections? Are they synergy? Are they cooperative or are they competitive? And how, what are those relationships in ourselves that then contribute to those out in the world? Mm-hmm. And I feel like with motherhood, it, it's such a huge transformation that's not really given enough credit and enough respect in our culture and other transformations are at puberty so for women that's at menarche and that's given a little bit of acknowledgement but we could still do so much more to really embrace and empower women at that stage and then again at motherhood and also at menopause and there's lots of little things that can go on in between as well especially if there's a huge event or a trauma or something like that that can spark whether it's positive or negative, but that huge transformation at motherhood is something that people who follow me would know I'm really passionate about is the big, like in our physiology, we change so much, but it's also a spiritual transformation. We actually get like a a reboot. Everything changes in our hormonal makeup, our DNA makeup. Within our brains, our brains are physically changing and we're getting, we have access to all of this oxytocin, which can be such a beautiful tool to share with our babies, our family, our children, our partners, and then our community, given the right understanding and the right space and nurturing. I also hear, oh, from my own experience, and I hear from other women that it seems like there's this paradox. In motherhood, you've been thrust into this world, especially in early motherhood where it can be nappies and breastfeeding and sleeplessness and all this sort of mundane stuff which can be beautiful but can take a toll. But at the same time, you're getting like this huge inspiration off in your hearing your calling and you've got all this creative energy. And I have somehow found a way to to balance that and I've got some ideas around it but I often hear women going how are you doing that like how are you balancing and I really love to hear more from you about your ideas and your experience and your philosophy of how to balance both that creative energy with that draining tiring and how that connects into feminine wisdom and listening mm. to our own feminine wisdom uh, what our wombs have to offer us, the moon cycles, our body, bodily cycles, our own sexual energy. Yeah, yeah, that's actually huge, right? <laughs> and we have five children, like two each from previous and then a shared love child. So there's five children and we homeschool them. Um, although a couple of them are kind of at school, like the older ones are at high school, Um, but they're not fully there. Like they have a lot of days off and I don't know how long they're going to go. But so we've basically got children around all the time. Um, and people say the same thing to me. How do you do stuff? How do you do stuff when you've got five kids? People talk about holidays, right? Holidays are coming up. Oh my God, I'm going to have two weeks with my children. My whole life's going to fall apart. And I'm like, wow, this is my life. My life includes children, right? So 
a really big part of it for me is sacred boundaries, right? And that, that, I don't want that to be misunderstood. It's like, I devote my whole heart and soul to my children, especially my babies, you know, in those early, especially those early few years, so deeply present, carrying, breastfeeding, you know, co-sleeping, everything, like really nurturing. And I have my babies with me when I'm doing other stuff. They are just, it's just like, if you look at a tribe, right, anywhere, like especially, you know, probably with photographs or video or whatever, unless you actually visit one, the mums, there's always busy work happening with babies around. It's always happening. And so I think the what we choose to do with that energy, whether we've got to look after the house, we've got to do the dishes, we've got to clean the house, do the washing, all those things need to happen too. If you've also got another kind of creative element where you might want to do some writing or recording or, you know, build a business or make something, all it is, it's just like valuing that stuff, right? It's valuing it so that some of your energy actually goes to that and some of the energy goes to the other. And admittedly, when my babies are little, I, it is, it's a bit of a juggle where I would rather leave the dishes and not do them until the end of the day and they're all piled up because that means I've got some space to do the other thing that I really love. So you can get so stuck in the non-stop, never-ending, always there's never an end to the dishes, the washing, the house. Like you can totally get in that. And I just refuse to live my life in that rat wheel. I'm just like, that all has to happen. It's not like it, it actually happens, happens more for me than some others because we've got the family of seven. But the other stuff really matters to me. So it's like, I think for women, it's just giving yourself permission. Give yourself permission to say, hey, this is important. This matters. doesn't matter that the, vacu- the vacuuming didn't happen this week. <laughs> you know, like some people, oh, someone said, oh, I forgot to do the vacuuming today. I'm like, today? You vacuum every day? Oh, my God. That's like really weird to me because like I'll do it every now and then. But um, I like to have my house kind of, you know, reasonable and, and, and beautiful, like to have beautiful spaces, but not to the point where my entire energy is consumed in that because it totally could be. It's just, it's a combination of also acknowledging, like having sacred boundaries with your children, you're meeting their needs. I'm like right now, I said to the kids, I'm in an interview, so I don't want to be interrupted. And they know that from a very young age, they know when I'm doing something, like they can come up to me sometimes, but you're actually like, you're teaching children from a really young age your how you live your life and your own boundaries they're super adaptable and it's not to i mean and people are adaptable kind of to their own detriment as well like they'll adapt to any kind of circumstances but as long as you're providing a safe wholesome house and healthy food and and you know healthy emotional environment then do things side by side like i often do things side by side with my kids if i've got some you know website stuff to do or something i'll just have my computer out while they're doing stuff next to me and Another skill that I've realized is really crucial if you're going to be a mum and be creative is the ability to switch tasks really quickly, to be able to go, all right, the child needs me. I'm right there. I'm not pissed off going, oh, my God, and, and wasting all this emotional conflict moving from one thing to another. It's just, all right, my attention's there. What do you need? Okay, you got what you need. 
back here. So it's like this kind of ability to just shift focus without getting emotional about it, without getting resentful about it. I think resentment creeps in when you're continuously spending your time doing things that you actually don't want to do. And I'm just not willing to live like that. And I don't, I'd rather have a messy kitchen than a resentful, bitter heart. You know what I mean? So I don't know if that kind of answers the question. <laughs> yeah, it does. I think it's such an important topic. And it's been coming up a bit more and more lately is there's a lot of aspects to it. I really love that, yeah, you have to prioritise your vision. So your what is it for you? What's your soul calling? Is it the business? Is that creative outlet? Is it music? Whatever it is, you have to value that. And there's so many reasons to value that. And mm. the major one is that you're a whole person. So, yes, like most women, when they go into motherhood, they go, that's going to be their main core. When they're prioritising, they're going to prioritise that. If the kids need you, they're sick or they need, to, they need lunch, they need whatever they need, you're going to do that. But yes. you're, as you said, you're also modelling to them what it is to be a whole person and to be a woman. And mm -hmm. you're constantly stressing out over cleaning. You're showing them that's more important. That's the priority in life rather than having your own interests and your own expression and becoming a confident, happy, resilient, multi-dimensional person. So you're giving value to yourself so you can fill your own cup which is really important because otherwise you are going to get resentful. People are going to get resentful. And we've, I'm sure all of us have experienced this many, many, many times. But, yeah, it's so I do the same. Like I, well, my kids are younger. They're not in school yet. Um, but I do have a little bit of help outside. I can send them to some family one day, one or two days a week, so I'm really lucky. But then I do a bit at home. And it took me a little while to be able to shift gears like you were saying, to be able to go, oh, okay, yep, all right, and then jump over and go do an activity for a while or attend to what they need. And But you can do a lot in 10 minutes when they're sitting there with um, some food or an activity or something like that, and you can do a lot side by side, which I think is so important to be able to be adaptable. And that shows them adaptability as well. And I think these days parenthood's done so differently. So I often reflect back on growing up in the 80s and 90s and I just don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember feeling neglected or hungry <laughs> or my needs were met. I do remember doing some really fun activities, but I also remember looking after ourselves a lot. It wasn't yeah. like parents were always there. There's a lot of pressure these days to be like the Pinterest mum or whatever, to be always doing the activity, to be always present, to be, and it's just not realistic, depending on what sort of setup you live in. A lot of us are living in our own families and then have the communities outside. So I think to remember that, that it's good for the kids to not always have your complete 100% presence all the time, but you're there when they need, they know how to ask and you're there when they need that. Yeah, absolutely. And as you mentioned, the children are number one, right? They're a number one priority. Their needs need to be met before I can do anything. So 
I think that makes a big difference. They know that they're loved and, and nourished and energetically I'm really conscious that the children, especially like, especially when they're little, I mean, but they're still conscious of it as they get older, but they're actually in your energetic field. They're in your heart space. So if you continue to include them in your heart space, then they're not, you're not pushing them away. You're not like, Oh, I just want to get away from these children so I can do my thing. They're actually in it. And I think that energetically makes a huge difference. That's something that the children still feel held. Yeah. Even when my attention's on something else. And like as a parent foreseeing what their needs might be, like realizing, oh, you know, maybe they haven't had a drink or a bit of food for a while. So then taking the time to do that, to nourish them before they even need it sometimes. Um so their needs are still a priority and, and actually while their needs are a priority, it makes it so much easier to mm. do my stuff. And I think it's actually really important for children to have space and freedom to have their own free play and be able to do their own thing without me trying to control it or be hovering over them the whole time. It, it's actually quite healthy for yeah. people to be coexisting and like going back to the tribe thing, like mum's doing stuff with her hands and busy and, you know, unfortunately we often don't have the tribe where like sometimes in the tribe, the grandmas or, you know, there'll be other people looking after the children as well. But it's just the point that life doesn't stop. Like it's very rare to just be completely consumed with small children. Like that's really quite a luxury. Mm. It's a luxury to just be completely hovering and just like fully immersed in that. Even when I was a single mum, um, with my two girls before I, you know, went through the big kind of transformation in my purpose when I was making clothes, I always had my sewing machine out and they would be on the floor, like, or in a sling, like if they were babies, actually be baby wearing, doing stuff, probably like an Oc health and safety nightmare, but <laughs> like it was all completely fine. No one ever got hurt. I'm sure and, we're going to um, be baby wearing and sewing for many years. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, the other, the other part is actually having some clarity about what to do in those 10 minutes. Yes. That's a big thing that I find like, cause if you, if you're like, Oh, I want to do something, but I don't know what it is. You've got 10 minutes. You can just spin on the spot, not knowing where to start. Yes. And I think that's where actually, and that's, that's the level that I support mamas with who come work with me. It's like, okay, who are you? What matters to you? What would you love to do? So we actually get a bit of a plan happening, get a bit of vision happening so that when there's those snippets of time, you can go, right, okay, I've got a, a, a job to do. Like break, break your big visions and your goals mm -hmm. into little tiny steps. And when you know what that step is, it's actually like it would be harder not to do it than just do it. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's just like this kind of vortex happens where you just like step into it and that becomes the reality rather than neglecting it. I just can't neglect things if it's clear that that's what I need to do. I'm just not willing to... Um, sweep it under the carpet and I think that focus of knowing what to do makes a big difference to actually doing it yeah I love that I totally agree so I I'm sort of a list person and I'm sort of not but I need those lists when to give me the focus so I've become more of a list person because if I can look at my jobs or the my goals and I can go oh I feel I've got this amount of time I can do that one or no, I'll do this one or I can start that and I can just press pause on that if I'm, you know, watch doing a course or studying or watching a seminar. 
And with the kids, I feel, especially I've got the younger ones, so I've got a two-year-old and a four-year-old, and, um, I mean, we go out and we do lots of play groups and we go out in the garden and we do cooking. We do lots of stuff. But I feel like when they f- – and we co-sleep. <laughs> I sleep like this lots of nights. Um, I still do too. <laughs> yeah, look, I don't see it changing anytime soon. It's lovely. And whether it's co-sleeping or it's something else, when kids, it's that attachment parenting theory, when they feel attached in that heart space that you mentioned, they feel connected, they're less needy, they're more independent, you can do more for you. So spending that bit of extra time to come into some sort of centeredness or groundedness, whatever works for you, to be able to give that fully present heart space for them and to be able to respond when they really need it and to know when to throw that independence back to them. So I'm only just coming into that a bit more in my four-year-old. I'm like, okay, no, you try and work that out and then come back to me if you still need my help. Okay, depending on what it is. Yeah. But they really, you get so much more freedom when you're all connected in that heart space. They're not always and needy and nagging. And, and I know days where I haven't given that or I've been a bit unwell or a bit more tired, they're more needy. They're more, so then I've got to invest a bit to have more for myself. Yeah, yeah. And the other factor in that is how present are you in your body? Mm. You know, and this kind of ties it back to the feminine wisdom. This is such a big part of the work I do. It's like actually come into your body. And for a lot of women, there's a lot of unresolved emotion from past stuff, right? Which in motherhood, that just gets triggered and triggered and triggered. The children are just designed (laughs) to like know what all your edges are and they'll just come and poke them and prod them. And it's like, if you, if you're sitting on a whole bunch of emotion and stress, it's just going to feel so chaotic and really explosive, you know, being in that position of just everyone needing you. And so this is why feeling things like feeling things in your body and allowing yourself to actually feel the sadness from something that didn't happen, didn't go the way you wanted it to, or, Feel the anger about something that you that really annoyed you, really pissed you off, and actually allow yourself to feel things and express the feelings from from things, so that it's you're not sitting on a whole stack of buried emotions. Because when you're sort of avoiding feeling things, which is just so common, it's not even it's so unconscious almost in our world. Like we're conditioned, don't be don't be silly, don't cry. I mean, even women, you know, like guys fully get that, but it's changing now. But even women, you know, don't be silly and and you're overreacting and you're being too sensitive and all the different messages that make us shut ourselves down from quite a young age, then to actually be fully present with your child means allowing that energy to be free again, which means allowing yourself to feel things. Like children are amazing examples of that. They'll just feel things and express it and then it's gone. Like so instant and that's the same we have that ability to as women it's like like anger has been a big theme for me in my life from sort of being really angry at my dad you know when I was a teenager and then that transferred and obviously I ended up in this abusive relationship with this guy and and that was you know not to say that I attracted it but there was big lessons for me in that about what about what I was letting happen, what I was letting in and not having really strong boundaries because I didn't know how to be empowered because I just wouldn't, was never taught. But then there was a lot of anger. So I needed to um, 
learn how to be with that anger. Plus I had this big chip on my shoulder about men in general, which I think happens for particularly as a teenager, like getting perved at all the time and wolf, wolf whips all that and just like walking around in the world like your piece of meat kind of thing. It's like, oh, that's like infuriating, right? And so what I, I went through this period where I had a lot of anger bubbling up and one of the ways that I would release it is if I'd feel it, it would be like literally like a volcano, like this hot charge that would be like instant and I would grab a pillow and I would just scream the most blood curdling scream into this pillow like over and over probably like five huge screams with like you know like like a big vomit of screams <laughs> and then that would just turn into big tears and so much energy would just be like completely released and dissipated and then I could be back in my body and then be really present Mm. or if I didn't do that, I could spend the next three months being like a really moody bitch and just like getting really agitated all the time because there's this energy stuck in there that's not coming out. So like there's lots of layers, but having some way of releasing old stuff of being really present, like feeling like in your body, what, where's the discomfort? You know, you're feeling like a, 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 a tightness in your, in your throat or, feeling like a, a fire in your belly or, you know, it's like learning the body's wisdom so that you can actually access that and, and release stuff that needs to be released. And this is generational. This is not just your own stuff from this lifetime either. Right. So then you can be really free and be really present and it's so much easier to get stuff done around children when you're present, when you're present, they feel your presence when you're there so then they still feel your presence, even if your attention is not fully with them in that minute one-on-one, they still know that you're present and you're there. I think a lot of children get really clingy when we're really seeking that connection, yeah. really wanting to feel you, right? And if you're not actually there because you're all in your head, which is really common, that's all the conditioning in our culture, then it's like there's this like total unmet, unfulfilled whole with with connection with the child and and that I don't, I don't mean to say that I don't want anyone to feel guilty if you mm. notice that happening but it's just like having that awareness then gives you the power of choice of whether to continue that or whether you want to shift that pattern come back into your body and and release all the stuff so that you can be really really here and actually women have an inbuilt mechanism of releasing every month I mean, if you're breastfeeding and you're not bleeding, you can just sort of align with the moon cycles in the dark moon, just release the month that's been just, even if you just take time to reflect, how has the month been? What sucked? What was awesome? What would I like to release? What would I like to be different? And do your own little ritual or visioning or clearing or even a burning ritual, like write the stuff on a piece of paper that you want to release and burn it and Mm. let it go right? And if you're bleeding, you can do that too. And your body's literally releasing the blood from that month, releasing, you can just, you know, I, I highly, highly encourage women to honor their cycle because there's so much wisdom in that journey. Mm-hmm. It's like we're going on a vision quest every month, the ability to release and just before bleeding, because it's like the body's preparing to nest, right? So anything unresolved, anything out of place, anything that's really annoying you, it's all going to be super highlighted because you've got a radar for everything just before bleeding. And that's so often dismissed. Oh, you're just premenstrual. You're just hormonal. And they just go, 
and then, and then women do it to, to themselves. Like, oh, that doesn't mean anything. It's just my hormones. Well, what is it telling you? It's not just there because to, just to make it up. Like it's, it's there because there's something going on that your body is wanting you to see or your psyche or something, something is there showing you something. It's all a message. I don't dismiss any of it. I go, why are you so annoyed? You know, it could be just the littlest thing. People, women will just fly off the handle. It's like, but what happened before that? You know, what happened last month and last year and, you know, all the accumulation. It's, it's realizing that we are so multidimensional. We are sensitive and we are a transition generation. We're clearing stuff from generations, right? So we're going to see things that are out of alignment. You're going to, it's going to be highlighted. And, we are, and that's an opportunity to go, well, will you rise into your power with that? Will you name what you see? Will you have the courage to actually address it? Or just, you know, fume quietly, sweep it under the carpet, go about life, so then it comes up again a month later. Mm. That's really the choice. It's going to come up, absolutely. Yeah, we are. It's sort of, it's a new paradigm. So if you go back, for me, it's only two generations ago that my grandmother was in, was a 1950s housewife. And not saying she was, but there was a huge part of the population that were the Prozac housewives. So they were living in this extremely repressed culture where the feminine expectation, or female, sorry, the female expectation of a woman, a female, was so limited that women were just drugging themselves, sedating themselves Mm -hmm. to deal with it. There was no feminine empowerment, really. There was a bit coming through. The suffragettes had come through and they got the vote, but it was all fairly surface level. And then the generations in between, so my parents and others either side have done a little bit more and they, you know, they got the 60s and 70s with this free sex and this expression, which is wonderful. It's unlocked lots of stuff. But I really feel there is a new, the next wave of feminism, which is looking at what it is to be a mother. Hold on, I'm just going to shut the door because it's raining. Get really loud. Um, Yeah, and women are speaking up about this new aspect that hasn't been talked about for a long, long, long time. And that is that you can be a mother and be a really amazing, empowered woman living actually doing your vision and purpose at the same time. You don't have to just yeah. put a block aside and you can, if you want to, because that can be really amazing as well, but you don't have to. And mm. I really love what you're saying about how a big part of that feminine wisdom is to come into the body. We really have to feel. So we live in a culture where it's all about the mental plane. Is that really loud for you coming through the microphone? Yeah. The rain? Oh, good. Um, I'm talking louder because I've got a tin roof. But, um, yeah, you have to come in and feel that because we live in this world where it's all cerebral and it's all about what you're achieving in that world of a career. What are you doing? Oh, it's getting really loud and hard to think, actually. Um, and unless we give ourselves space, to do that, which can be really hard. And I love that you said don't feel guilty because we're all working it out together. We're all doing this. We're all having times where we're not as present with ourselves or our children, 
our partner. We're all having times where it just feels a bit too hard and too painful to feel it. But we have to keep coming back to it. We really have to keep coming back to that, the emotion that sits there in our womb centre and allow that to come through. Or we're going to be unhappy and frustrated and we're just continuing on that cycle and passing that on. So we need to let that messiness come through and let our kids see that as well because that's part of the healing of seeing what that feminine emotional expression can look like, not to be scared of it, really embrace it. And I love that you mentioned the moon cycle because that's a huge part of how I try. I don't always get it. Um, in line as I would like to get into really major aspects of when I book in podcasts, when I book in workshops, when I um, plan for more activities around the full moon. And then I really do try and give myself a bit more retreat time around the dark moon. Or now I'm bleeding again. When I'm bleeding, that quiet time, a mini postpartum, a little retreat to really let that be and to let myself gain that energy. And I notice I have much more of a surge of energy and I can work a bit later or stay up a bit later and do more out in the world, be a bit more extroverted. I don't need as much time to retreat and recoup at home um, when I'm around my ovulation. And if I don't, I really notice the difference. I really notice I'm much more tired. It's a harder period. Um than when I really give myself that time. And I really think that's a major aspect of these new feminine models coming through. Absolutely. It's huge, actually, having, even if it's just half an hour during bleeding time to consciously just sit and let go of everything because our, our psyche and everything all can just, like, rest. If you can just let yourself have some deep rest, you know, not everyone's going to have the luxury of having a a couple of days. I sometimes will actually have a whole day where I'm like, I'm bleeding, I'm cancelling all my appointments because I'm now perimenopausal. So I'm moving into the next stage of life where my cycle that was clockwork now is a little bit unpredictable. So I'm flowing with that and... Um, still honouring it when it's unpredictable as best as I can because taking that time to at least rest and let go for even as just a short time, it's like symbolic of a transition from one cycle to the next. And we're not built as women to just keep charging forward. And if you do, you just find get more and more depleted because your body is so craving that downtime. And I think that that contributes to a lot of women feeling really resentful and it also contributes to a lot of menstrual problems when the body is just not allowed to to relax and rest and soften because people are all kind of wound up in this stressed state which is just the normal way of being in a in a western culture learning how to actually slow down how to relax not in a way that's I mean, not even in a way that's like watching a movie or something because that's still kind of a form of stimulation, but like actually switching off from any input and maybe going out into nature. Like, you know, one of the big things that I do, one of the first things that I do with women that I'm journeying with is grow your roots deep. 
you know, grow your roots deep, just imagining growing your roots and feeling connected with the earth. And also getting, the, if you've got children, get them outside. Nature, nature is the third parent. You know, life, life's so much easier under the sky compared to under a roof. Yes. You know, with oh, kids. my goodness. I always say that. Just get the kids outside because they, they get something about the way being inside four walls and a roof affects the nervous system. Kids are really sensitive to that and they need to get out. They need their feet on the ground. And then to be out in the open air and it's yeah. so much easier to live with them. Yeah, totally. And, you know, and speaking, what, what was that? And that's a good reminder for us as well. Yeah, and that's a big thing. Um, uh, the way I get work done is sometimes I just totally devote the first bit of the day to just let's just get out the house, do something fun, go somewhere, get, just get physical and move. And the children have such good quality connection time. You can have fun. And then we come back and then I can say, well, I've got things to do now. So, you know, what do you need? Have you got your food? Have you got your this and that? Um, help set them up, actively help set them up. Cause we homeschool, like we, we kind of unschool. We don't really like do like set lessons and stuff, but the kids just have resources to explore things in their own timing, in their own way. And, um, yeah having like filling filling the cup is so important like getting out and getting some nature time makes all the difference for kids and even at the end of the day we found it can be really helpful even after dinner to just get outside and and it's sort of fun like if it's getting dark we're not far from a beach we can go to the beach and kids run up and down the beach and it's like so good it helps them to get rid of that extra energy because like when they're inside, it's like their energy's bouncing off the walls, like literally. And so many mamas are like, Oh, I can't handle my kids. They're fighting. All this stuff's going on. It's like, just get out, out the door. I know that that can be really hard. It's just like got to pack a bag and get your water and get snacks. And that's the hard bit, but just get that happening and just get out. Just, you know, it's like, run, run, run for the hills. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And it can be hard, especially in those early days. So that's where, building your village and having some people to help get you out of the house or to get your other kids out of the house if you've got a new bub. And, and then, yeah, then you, all that space opens up. Once they've had that release, you can come home and spend some time for you as well as be with them. Yeah. So I'd love to hear more from you. As you're transitioning into perimenopause, I feel like, this is like a new sort of growing interest. So I'm 37, nearly 38. I have to think about that. But I've been talking with more and more women. So that's kind of there. It's like looming in my next whatever phase of that's the next 10 years or whatever. So I'm really interested in just like listening and learning from other women so I feel more prepared because I feel like motherhood was a bit of a jolt for me it's been really beautiful and natural in some ways and in other ways it was a bit of a jolt because I didn't listen enough I didn't know I had to listen so I didn't ask you don't know until you know but now I know (laughs) that I need to be thinking and asking a bit more about what that journey is and it's going to be different for everyone but what is that journey for you so far into perimenopause? So for people listening, perimenopause is the period um, 
before you're actually in menopause. So you have to have, your periods had have to have stopped for 12 months before you're officially in menopause. But there's often a long lead up time where your periods will be a bit scattered and delayed and there's all sorts of hormonal fluctuations. And that can, but not always be the more challenging time for women, but it's definitely a transition. And as we've talked about, those transitions can be really powerful if sort of utilised well. How's that, how are you going with it? How's it going? Yeah, yeah. Well, firstly, just to sort of speak to the rites of passage, because, you know, we enter the world in birth, that's the very first rite of passage when we arrive. But then as a woman, as we've touched on, you go through menarche, the first blood, and that's a rite of passage into womanhood. So whatever messages you received at that time, how you felt about your body, what people said, that's actually subconsciously programming you this is this is who it is to be a woman in our culture right so I've done a lot of healing around that because at the time I didn't even I was I was even dishonest about it I pretended that I was bleeding when I wasn't because I wanted my mum to think I was mature right it was a bit of a story around it but um through learning more about that I've um you know because at that time it was like I'm invisible and and to be a woman means to be deceptive right like that that's that was my story but for some women it's like messy or my body's inconvenient there's all these different messages then the next altar the rite of passage is birth which kind of can flow on from that menarch they build on each other so what happens at birth then also it informs who am i as a woman as a mother the message that you learn during birth about yourself about your level of power and so these Rites of passage will build on themselves. So the next one being like perimenopause and then menopause. As I like, I'm just heading into it. I'm 42. I'm about to be 43 in like two days, right? And because I have done so much clearing and transformation through through my other rites of passage, and particularly my last birth, which was so orgasmic and ecstatic, I am so riding this in my body that I'm aiming for an ecstatic menopause as well. Like, you know, women have like, like traditionally in birth, birth is meant to be really, you know, painful and agonizing. And there's all these words that people describe birth as, which is, which is the, the most common experience of birth in Western world. I didn't experience it like that because I approached it differently and did a lot of clearing and energetic clearing and sexual energy clearing. And so a lot of people will talk about menopause. It's like, oh, you get hot flushes and you get this and you that. And there's all these symptoms. I see that the symptoms are actually messages from the body about, it's all energy, right? Energy is either, either flowing or it's not. So what I'm noticing as I'm really in my body moving into this phase of, of perimenopause I'm really sensitive. My ears, my hearing is super sensitive. In the middle of the night, I'm hearing things all around the house and outside the house that I normally wouldn't. So that's one thing I'm really aware of. I'm noticing that I need to sleep on my own sometimes if I can. Like we're still co-sleeping and I sleep with my partner. But So that's one thing is hypersensitivity, right? Mm. That's what I've noticed. Another thing that I've noticed is my energy levels will sometimes be really up and I'm powering and then they'll be just really low and I need to ride that and not resist it and not be pissed off that I've got a low energy, but just see it and be with it, right? So that's 
as I said, I'm only just edging into it. Mm. The other part is just the irregularity of my cycle where, you know, I would have a pretty much on the clock. I was bleeding with the dark moon for, for years in between babies. And sometimes it would switch from the dark to the fall. But now it's like, instead of a four week cycle, I might have a three week cycle. It might be a little bit less. So, but I know when it's happening because of how my body feels. I know when I'm about to bleed. I know like sometimes I get a slight tenderness in my breast, but I, I really, every time just before I bleed, I get this kind of like, it's not a headache, but like this real tired feeling in the back of my neck the day before, the night before, or the morning, just when I'm about to bleed. It's like my body's just going, just slow down, stop. And I can feel that. And I know if I'm going to go out, I'll put a pad in my pants because I'm going to bleed within the next few hours. And so I kind of, so I'm riding it out and I'm really curious and, you know, exploring it as I move into it, like how, how to really just be with that and ride with it. So it's not, I'm not a victim of it. But this is a, a way of like fully claiming our power as women. This, the menopause is, it's like the birth of the wise elder, right? Mm-hmm. And it's no accident that it's fully medicated and disconnected and, and a lot of ignorance around it in our culture, just like it, at every rite of passage of a woman's life. And I, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of why that happens, but yeah, it's an opportunity to open up into more of your power and that's that's how I approach it so Mm. it's really fun you know and listening to women who've gone past but selectively like a lot of women's stories are actually not helpful for me Mm. it's the same with birth you know in my third baby I actually chose not to have a blessing way because I did not want other people's stories and fears mingling in with my vision to have this ecstatic next level birth that I'd never heard of anyone having really to the mm. level that I wanted. I almost feel a little bit like that, a mixture of listening to the wise women who have approached this stage of life consciously of which there aren't that many that I know of. I, my, my teacher, Jane Hardwick Collins is one, but also really seeing that we're on the cutting edge of a whole new way of approaching things. So it's a mixture of listening and, and listening within, right? Mm trusting that so that's kind of where I'm at yeah I like that that balance of selectively um reaching out to people that are sort of that phase ahead of you that you can see that's that looks like how I there's aspects of that I would like um plus also visioning and creating your own your own goals and your own dreams for what that will be Yeah. yeah and I think that's where you know my work of reclaiming with the ancient wisdom it's the ancient wisdom is actually quite simple mm. you know it's not complicated it's just that when we are really truly present we're so open and interconnected with our cosmic self and with the earth and with our bodies and with the messages from nature it's like rediscovering that for ourselves and and having that like like role modeling that for our children so that they're connected with themselves and their bodies and um you know connected with the seasons and the cycles as we've spoken about but not so much learning from the predominant culture that comes before us in our modern world like i'm there's some you know there i mean obviously there's some technology and some some discoveries that are really cutting edge and really interesting and helpful but a lot of the modern culture stuff just 
does not feel inspiring to me. It's just sort of all coming from that place of disconnect and um, a very limited view of seeing things. And I, I see that that ancient wisdom and that, that body's knowing and that nature is actually a much more powerful teacher. And so by listening within, we have so much wisdom that we can access, yeah, as well as connecting with the, for me, like in the path of woman, with, with women who have done the work, who are embodied, who have gone consciously through these stages and seeking their stories and, and also acknowledging that your own story is going to be unique right? So it's kind of, I'm, I'm really excited about this phase of life because it's also about getting clearer about what is the gift that I'm giving back. You know, after birthing the babies and raising the babies, my little one's seven. So I'm a little bit further ahead on that journey than you. My, my big girl's 16 now. And we're like, someone confused us for sisters at the markets on the weekend, which was awesome. really cool. <laughs> I know. I'm like, oh, all right. I can like pass for a 16-year-old's sister. Yeah. Um, and I'm like nearly triple her age kind of thing. But, um, yeah, so well, I was losing my train of thought. No, what was I saying just before that? You were talking. I can't remember what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> You're excited. You're excited for this next stage because you can oh, that's right. move through motherhood and now what are you giving back? That's right, yeah. So, so as we go on the journey of motherhood, we learn so much. It's such an opportunity to, to gain deeper wisdom and understanding. And then it's like through that journey, perimenopause is like the autumn, the harvest, the like what are you then giving back? Like you're still contributing in um, the in the old sort of traditional view of the goddess journey, there's the maiden mother crone, but now it's like the maiden mother maga crone. So there's a stage in between that I'm stepping into, which is like a very fruitful, productive uh, stage where the wisdom that I've learned is then being given back. Mm. So that's the point of what I was saying. It's like really exciting because it's in some forms like, it would look like women are starting to step away from the world and start to slow down and end up in the rocking chair, right? That's how it's kind of been in, in our Western culture. But there's this whole new lease of life that comes through when we can sort of redirect that energy that's been going into our children. I mean, it's still going into it for me, but gradually that energy is then going into nurturing projects and business and, you know, soul mission kind of stuff. Mm, that is exciting. Yeah, I've heard that from a few people that are really embracing that phase of the journey. And I think there's a few things there. So if you're in that motherhood phase, what... Um, so it could be partly influenced by what that was for you, whether that's your birthing or your postpartum time or things that happened in motherhood. So just to touch on that, like for me, my birthing, my pregnancies are great. Like they're pretty good. My birthing was never, um, ideal. So I ended up with surgical births and I actually had, um, so my initiation into motherhood was a really sad one. I lost my first baby at birth. Um, it was a, a planned home birth. I birth. I laboured at home for a long time and the labour was beautiful. 
and after time there was a need for transition and yeah and sadly my boy passed just after birth and then I went on to have my two girls and they ended up being surgical births which um, there's certain aspects I have some birth trauma around but it's not so much around that that needed to be um, because I let go of all of that but I tell that story because there would be some women out there that are really living with birth trauma or living with not having had this beautiful ideal birth and I think that that is a good place to start with your healing is to really look mm. at that it's huge going to birth again to not give up on that that dream but then to also do that healing now so like we said to really feel that and to really mm -hmm. be present with that because then you'll be able to move into that power of womanhood or if there was um some postpartum mental health challenges that you had afterwards to really go back and revisit that not to the point where you're going to bring it all up if it's feeling too hard and you don't have the energy but when you do to really go there because you are planting those seeds and I love that analogy of that motherhood is somewhat like the summer. You really, so you're planting those seeds there and you're really nurturing and you're going to harvest that when you get mm. to the MAGA, when you get to perimenopause. And it's so important that if you don't do that, I was talking to another woman who I'll interview soon who also lost a baby and we talked about, we want, we're going to talk about in our interview, but we talked about how it was that we didn't get stuck in that sadness and grief because it's a it's a common thing too and that's not to make anyone feel bad but about it really comes back to that of really feeling it of really giving it time and space so whatever it is for anyone out there that they have experienced just remember you're planting those seeds for that harvest and it doesn't matter what that looked like but it does matter how it felt how you moved through that how you used that that transition, that gift, that challenge, that time to then empower you and to give you inspiration and to build on who you are in a more um, in-depth and full way so that when you get to that mugger phase, you can keep rolling with that transition. You don't have to go back and do too much <laughs> healing. There might always be a bit of revisiting, but you can really kind of step into that without having to... Um, yeah, to shift too much because I see that too, that, again, the resistance. So mm. if you're getting stuck in anything, if you're not constantly moving through, when there's that resistance, then you get that lack of that energy and flow and it comes through as emotions that are resentful, fearful, um, extremely sad, depressed, getting stuck in that, not just having moments of it and moving through it but really getting stuck in that. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, I'm really inspired and I'm sort of excited about that time. It feels like when I hear from women going into perimenopause and menopause, there's something sort of liberating mm. because you've let go of a lot of the pretenses of maybe the young woman who unconsciously still is aware of her image and still discovering that sexual energy, but you're just sort of in it and you're really confident in it and you know where you want to channel that creative energy. I'm, I'm super excited for you and I'm excited <laughs> for me <laughs> too and yeah, yeah. to have, to hear this, to hear this potential that it's not mm. like, oh, you get older and then you're invisible because I've heard that from yeah. them, they just feel invisible. But yeah. there's actually a real strength and independence that can come, liberation mm. that can come from that. 
and then that wisdom that emerges through. So you talked a little bit about um, your work with Jane Hardwick Collins and the is it the Wise Woman Craft now it's called um, School of Shamanic Woman Craft. Shamanic Woman Craft. Yeah. I'd love for you to share a little bit more about that. And we had a few messages talking about our inspiration and our, our, um, our journey and our links to our ancestral lineage. Mm. So for me, I, I'm fascinated with my ancestry and I know a little bit about some of it. So there's a lot of Irish and Scottish and, and there's always been this rumour that my grandmother's mother, my great-grandmother, said she was Romany Gypsy and... I've since discovered a little bit there. and But what that does for me is that in a time when we're recreating like these paradigms, this new paradigm, and we're going to ancient wisdom is we're also looking to our own cultures, um, but we're also sharing and kind of cross-mingling. So there's this cultural appreciation over appropriation. And we're mm. looking to maybe move away from some paradigms that haven't worked for some of us. So. Uh, for me, actually, you mentioned early in there that you always had this fire inside you since you're 11. I could so relate to that because when I was 11, I did a public speaking um, thing program through my school. We got to pick any topic and I picked witches and I got up in front of <laughs> my class and the teachers and I was like, and they burned 9 billion women and I a big speech about witches. They must have thought I was crazy or maybe they loved it because I think I ended up winning the prize. But um there was always this sort of knowing and this fire inside me about that lineage of wise women, which we call witches, that's linked to that Celtic tradition. And I feel so called to learn more about that and to incorporate that into my life, who I am. That's part of following the moon cycles for me and all Indigenous cultures did this. And we, doesn't matter who you are, we come from a lineage of, an indigenous nature-based cycle that's been disrupted at some point and there's healing to be done there to acknowledge that. Um, but then also with my postpartum work to I gain a lot of inspiration from lots of other cultures that have strong postpartum care, but it was also a strong British Isles culture as well, postpartum care, and, and then looking at different herbs and herbal remedies and how I can incorporate that in healing um, and link from my own culture as well as using other cultures, foods and herbs. But I'd love to hear from you about your um, journey with that and connecting to your, I think you said Celtic culture and if there's any other lineages and how that all ties in to everything that you are and that you do. Yeah, sure. Well, initially when you asked about the School of Shamanic Womancraft, so with, with Jane, I journeyed through the Four Seasons journey, which was basically delving into each of the rites of passage of woman's journey, which is, which I've shared earlier, like the birth, your birth coming into the world, um, menarch, the birth of any babies that you've had. And then, you know, the, like the rebirth of yourself as a wise woman moving through those, that final rite of passage stage before death and also acknowledging the cycles of life and death within life, you know, mm. and then also we explored, it was basically a women's mystery school. Um, I remember the very first time I arrived there, went and, and we were in Mullumbimby in this amazing place on a mountain, like a hill, 
and sitting in circle with the women, it just felt like such a homecoming for me. It's the first time I'd ever sat in a women's circle. And we almost, all of us collectively felt this edge of fear, like that we weren't meant to be doing it. Like it was somehow really secret. And it was like this collective memory that we had that we weren't allowed to like, cause this was um, eight or nine years ago when I journeyed with the school and you know, that it's like that, that trauma, that trauma of persecution of gathering with wise sisters, which we weren't allowed to do would have been killed for that. So it was like, we sort of could remember that. So that it was a year of journeying deeply with the rhythms and the cycles and the rites of passage and really experiencing that ourselves and facilitating um, transformation for other sisters as we're journeying together. So it was really rich. Um, and then my own ancestry, it's interesting. I, I actually wasn't that interested in it for most of my life. I felt quite detached from, I didn't really know much about my, my heritage. I knew that there was a mixture of sort of Scottish and Irish and English in the mix. And, um, I was kind of more interested in moving forward than looking back for most of my life. And it, it's really only been, um, the last recent that I've actually really explored my roots because I know that we all have an indigenous roots with the earth. If you go back far enough. And I think that's what triggered it for me was that people like saying, well, you're either indigenous or non-indigenous. Right. And I have full respect for like the really ancient cultures and the indigenous wisdom that that's on the planet and, you know, devastated about what's happened to you know, native cultures and stuff. The truth is that's happened to us. It's happened to everyone. If you've been uprooted from the place where your ancestors lived, then, you know, I've, I've just been going through this, this kind of transition, like this kind of healing and integration around what's happened for white people that have been displaced as well displaced from the place where my in, my instincts and my you know the environment the herbs the things that my ancestors kind of knew I'm not in that space anymore we're, we're in Australia it's a completely different environment I love Australia I feel very at home here but I look I look forward to going back to Scotland to actually standing on the land that is actually my my cellular memory knows you know, from my ancestors and in the, in the journeys that I do with women, I do shamanic journeying and, and, and guided processes. And one of the powerful things that I do is guide a woman to actually like imagine the lineage going back in time. So you've got your mother behind you and then grandmother and great grandmother and you go back and you kind of do this with your eyes closed and you can kind of see or imagine, and this is another thing, it's just like opening up to trusting that our, our psychic ability and our imagination is a thing. It's not just something that you're just like pulling out your ass. You know, like there's so much judgment around visioning, but really just imagining going back, back, back as far as you can until you kind of have a sense that you're connecting with ancestors that were aligned with the earth and the seasons and nature. So, and knowing that that, wisdom is still in your cells it's just you know our cells it's interesting because modern science now proves like our cells will express um certain things depending on the environment and and so some qualities will be will remain dormant and some qualities will be really activated and so you can actually kind of 
activate parts of your cells that might be lying dormant, like especially like the ancient wise DNA from your, from your ancestors. So I, I was also questioned, you know, in my journey as a shamanic witch, which is probably the most relevant terminology to express who I am and what I do. Um, someone said, how can you say that? How can you be that? That's, that's a cultural appropriation. You're stealing from other people. And I'm like, well, I'm not actually copying what anyone else does. I'm doing what's coming from within me also combined with some of the things I've learned. Cause in our Western culture, we do have a multitude of, of, of influences in there. And so I, that's what prompted me to explore, to go back. Okay. What are my roots? What am I actually drawing upon? And that's when I discovered that actually that the witchy roots are part of my lineage and the, the shamanism as well. And, and women have been directly, you know, very shamanic when you go back far enough, a lot of the visioning and the seers and the oracles and, you know, the, the drumming, it's like you go back far enough and you'll find the origins. And that's what really interests me. And that's why I'm much more interested in us looking at our commonalities and the things that we share and how do we create a world where in unprecedented times, billions of people in a global community, this has never happened before. So if we're sitting here nitpicking all the differences, it's actually distracting. It's like moving the chairs around on the Titanic because we're going through this big mass extinction, right? So calling upon the wisdom that's already inside you, waking that up, not judging people that are doing things that maybe, you know, I feel almost like this sense of um, compassion. People are seeking spirituality in other ways. There's obviously they're not feeling very connected with their own roots to start with, right? So I think judging that and saying, oh, you're culturally appropriating and it's like maybe that person's just needing some support to look a bit deeper. Like, okay, go go back into your roots. And, you know, this is, is a big topic. Yes. <laughs> it's huge. It's just I, I feel more like I belong more than ever before by exploring my roots and knowing that I, I do have an Indigenous ancestors that that wisdom, that earth-based wisdom is in myself. And, and I'm fully within rights to, to claim that and to say, this is me. And I'm, you know, I'm just carrying forward the wisdom from my ancestors and weaving the witchy wisdom and the cycles and the seasons and the magic into my life now, even though it skipped a few generations, mm. you know, and just kind of like reviving what, what we need to revive so that as a society, as a, as a culture, as a planet, we can actually find harmony again and come into right relationship with the earth and with each other. Yeah, that sums it up. Beautiful. Come into right relationship with the earth and each other. I love that. And I think that's so important that you can do both. We can live in a time where we can learn and gain inspiration from other cultures while also connecting with our own, no matter how broken that is. And so coming from European lineage to connect with that Indigenous culture doesn't mean that I don't acknowledge what is going on for other Indigenous cultures now. So in Australia and so many parts of the world, I can do that at the same time. And I think yeah. sometimes that that feels a bit hard when you're a sensitive person or you're, you, you do care about what 
um, is going on. You want to see the healing and um, cultural strengthening and revitalization for Indigenous people, but you also want your own really strong um, connection to that. And you also want to be able to have those conversations and say, well, I need to have some sort of Indigenous um, connection to my own roots and connection to the earth and my own belief system without undermining yours. And by strengthening and empowering my own, I therefore have better understanding and more compassion for other cultures to maintain, preserve and revitalise theirs as well. And how can we come together with those commonalities and see that there is actually more commonalities than not and to celebrate the uniqueness as well. Yeah, it's a huge topic and more and more it's something I think I'm going to be talking more about. So maybe I'll get you back on at some stage and (laughs) a bit more. Um, I think it's such an important part of the work and I love that you're doing that with women in their own personal journeys as well as getting them to connect back because um, I guess, yeah, for those Celtic lineages, it's been broken for a while, but you don't have to go too far back either. We might not be able to find like on Ancestry.com, we're not going to find it. (laughs) We're not going to find the ancestor that was the witch or that was practising the herb law, but it's there is written records and you don't have to go back too far. Well, actually, on that, I did a ritual to um, connect with my ancestors. So I, it was, you know, really intentional. I set up all the elements, the fire, the water, the earth, the air, and, you know, really create a sacred space, called in the directions and, and the elements, and then intended, like, calling upon the wisdom of my ancestors to awaken that within me. And then in my visioning, in my third eye, I saw an incredible scenario of, um, like, a, a fire, a, a bonfire with whip well, actually men and women dancing around it, like having the most awesome time, like kind of like, you're like howling and it was in the dark and they were singing and dancing and full celebration. And it's so trippy because time is actually not linear, right? It's, and this is a whole other thing, but it's almost like there's all these like parallel realities. They were connecting with me in that realm celebrating that I was reawakening the wisdom, even though it's like this ancient time, we were kind of like connecting in the same time and space. And mm-hmm. this kind of is a lot to wrap your head around, but I'm kind of understanding a bit more that like every, all time is available in an instant. Like time mm-hmm. and space is all there. Like the ancient history is actually there. Like it's still alive, even though it was in a different, in a different linear time. And mm. I don't want to get too trippy about it, but like (laughs) there's so much more to reality than what we think of with our linear mind, you know? Yeah. So it was like this celebration and this real upsurging of that, of that wisdom inside me and this real feeling of being supported by my ancestors now, Mm. you know? Mm. Yeah. There's that aspect of it not being linear. So that we just experience it in linear time because we're in a physical body. But then also the cellular memory, so that can be awakened quite easily. So doing things that will help to awaken that. So for you or for other people, it might be the dancing, actually gathering in the circle and the dancing and the singing. And and I can resonate with that too. I really do feel that connection. 
um, when I do that. And then in the gardens with my herb law, really I feel something awakening in me that I, my ancestors and I have done this for a very long time. Well, I've only been here for not even 40 years. So that feeling of I've done this for a long time is actually my ancestors. It's actually my cellular memory just by having a relationship with plants and the natural world awakening yeah. ourselves. Yeah, and, and you know, you can also learn directly from the plants. This is this is what I love. Like we're we're so conditioned in Western world that you've got to learn everything from teachers and books and what's gone before you. And yet we have access to so much more knowledge and wisdom just through our intention to connect with it. You know, receiving the message from the plant or connecting with the earth or with our own higher self there's we have access to so much that's available within ourselves without needing to go too far outside mm. you know and that's so empowering mm. um yeah and that's a whole other thing too and a whole other topic but it's that, that shifting from your own sense of empowerment it's not something outside of yourself that you need to find out there it's actually something to awaken inside yeah, absolutely. And there's so much to be learnt from the natural world to be able to do that as well. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Avalon. This has been amazing. I feel like we've um, unlocked a hundred other boxes and areas yeah, we yeah. <laughs> go into and explore more. But there's been so many beautiful gems there and such great sharing. And I'm sure that the women working with you are gaining so much from this to be able to get in touch with their inner power and their vision. So can you tell people a little bit um, about where they can find you and what your offerings are at the moment? Yes. Well, the best place to find me is through my website, which is blossomingwoman.com.au. And I'll put and so I'll pop all yeah, these put them in the show notes. Yeah. yeah, great. And so I'm just about to release a new free guidebook, which is basically it's a, a map for sacred feminine activation, which actually journeys through the key archetypes to activate and align um, all those areas within yourself, which is really exciting. It's super fun that, that, so that you can then be the visionary leader that you're here to be you know, whether it's in your own body, whether it's like in your family with your child or whether it's in the work that you do, because I'm really having so much fun working with women who are actually taking their visionary dreams and expanding that out into the world, particularly um, blending that with motherhood. As yeah. we were talking about before, you don't have to separate them. You don't have to decide, am I a stay at home mom or am I working? Or it's like, actually, I can live my life, including my children, doing my soul work and being fully expressed in the world and sharing my message as well. So um, I'm running a sacred priestess activation journey as well, which is so fun. It's like going much deeper into awakening those um, archetypes and those qualities inside your own body, re reclaiming those rites of passage and I'm really excited about what's happening next year is like a full, um, it's basically a six month deep dive intensive mentoring journey with me journey through all the rites of passage and the archetypes and everything as a sacred feminine visionary leader. So that through that journey, you actually come out the other side 
being fully awakened and embodied in that and also being able to facilitate that journey for others, like to be a sacred feminine mentor. So that's kind of the, the, the current and future vision of what I'm living into and the way that I'm supporting women to be fully activated. Because I, I feel like our bodies are like our womb power and our heart and our voice, like when we're really in our bodies and expressing it, life becomes just so much more colorful and fun and energized. And that's what we're here for. Like the earth is just this amazing magical playground, right? As well as it's everything else, but Mm. why not step into the magic of it and the fun of it and, and experience it fully through your body? Like, you know, with all the pleasure and the joy and then that actually allows us to be more effective in the world in bringing the changes that we need to bring and, you know, just speaking up for what we see, for what needs to happen, raising our children in ways that's going to actually transform the culture from the ground up, all that stuff. So, yeah, so come to my website, blossomingwoman.com.au, and that's where you'll be able to get that free gift, the free guidebook, and it comes with an activation, guided activation process. So that's probably the best way. I am on social media. I'm on Instagram, Avalon Darnesh as well, and Facebook. Yeah, I'll pop up the social media. I'll pop up Facebook and Instagram as well. And at the moment, your website's having a little bit of an overhaul too. Is that right? So if people go... Yeah, just... And, and that's probably actually within the next couple of days, probably by the time you're listening to this, yeah. it, will, it will be fine. Yeah, I'm okay. just going through a bit of a... Yeah, a bit of a redesign because I'm so clear now about what I'm doing. As I said, I've been on this journey for a while, but now it's like I'm all about feminine visionary leadership. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's my sole purpose. I'm here to empower women to do what you're here for. Wonderful. And so will that be a group program? Will a group of women move through that together? Yeah, so it's a group program which also includes one-on-one support with me to take right. us to the next level. Awesome. Yeah. And then but do you offer... Do you offer the one-on-one separately or will you just be focusing on that, that program with the group and one-on-one? Yep. I'm focusing on the program with the one-on-one included in the program because that's yep. the most powerful way that I can support women. Then I can continue to support people one-on-one once they've gone through that journey with me. Um, but I'm not sort of doing like random sessions anymore. It's just, I'm here for the women who want to really go deep and rise high. So that's the best way I can support that. Wonderful. Exciting. All right. Thank you so much. It's been fantastic. Thank you, you, (laughs) Shelley. And I'll pop up all those links for everyone listening. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening. It's just been really fun. I, I love know, it's been a long one. It's my longest so far, but um, I think it's full of juicy gems that will people uh, um, have got this far. Thank you. <laughs> you probably listen. Yeah, to- you might need to do like part A and part B or something. <laughs> That's how I listen to podcasts. I listen to 15 minutes, 20 minutes here while I'm driving. Yeah. Thank you, Avalon. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening today. I really hope there was something there for you. Please feel free to head on over to Instagram and Facebook pages, Pollination Mamas, and leave your thoughts, ideas, inspirations, feedback. I'd also really love for this to partly be a collaborative experience for all of you out there listening and to hear what topics, ideas for guest speakers that you might have. 
And also, if you feel to, I would really appreciate if you head on over to iTunes, Anchor FM and the other platforms and left a review for the Pollination Mamas podcast. This helps for the podcast to be seen more and to get the word out there of these topics that we're all discussing to a larger audience. I found podcasts so helpful to feel a bit more connected to ideas that I didn't realise were um, so common amongst us all. So yeah, also feel free to share with anyone out there that you feel may gain something from this. I also have a sign up on my website, pollinationmamas.com, where I send out approximately a monthly mail out with latest podcasts, sales on my small batch, largely homegrown herbal products, latest workshops and other thoughts and ideas that I might pop up on the blog occasionally. So thanks again for tuning in and hope to have you listening again soon. Have a wonderful day. Bye.